Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to episode 130 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I'm so glad you're listening. This week, I've got two great interviews. The first with the creators of High Crimes, a great monkey brain comic, created by Christopher Sabella and Ibrahim Mustafa. Then we catch up with J.K. Woodward, who has a great Star Trek comic coming out, and he'll talk about that. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome to the podcast, two of the creators of High Crimes, which is available on monkeybraincomics.com. And since I'm convinced I'll fracture your guys' names, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Chris, how about you first? Uh, I'm Christopher Sabella. I'm the writer of High Crimes. Okay, and... I'm Ibrahim Mustafa, the artist of High Crimes. Good, good. See, that's much better than I could have done it. So So, let's talk about your series here. Why don't we go ahead and, and, and make the announcement that happened recently or let people know that you guys got a big recognition uh, not long ago. Do you want to talk about it? Sure. Uh, High Crimes got nominated for two Eisner Awards, uh, mm-hmm. one for Best Digital and one for Best New Series. Wow. So that's pretty good. When are they going to announce the winners? It's during San Diego Comic-Con, so it's sometime in okay. July. Okay, that'll work. Well, that's good. What was your reaction, Chris, when, when you heard that? Uh, Allison Baker, uh, who's one of the two publishers at Monkey Brain, sent us an email on the Monday before – it got announced on Tuesday. So Monday we got an email saying that, and then immediately I started getting, like, tunnel vision. Uh, like, <laughs> white started coming in at all, and I was just – well, I had my phone. I was reading the email, and then I immediately – dialed Ibrahim, I just kept repeating, oh my god, oh my god, over and over, <laughs> until he picked up the phone. <clears throat> so what was your reaction, Ibrahim? What, what did you think when you heard that? Well, first, I was trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with Chris, because he was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a little worried about him, but uh, yeah, no, man, it was awesome. I was kind of out of left field and just completely amazing, so it was a good day for sure. 
Yeah, that's now, now let's go ahead and talk about the the publication itself. It's on monkeybraincomics.com, which I heartily encourage people to go and look at. There is a lot of great stuff out there. Yeah. And you know, high crimes is one of those wonderful things. And I love the name because it has double meaning to it. They're high up in the mountains a lot of the time, and then they're, they're, these uh, bad things are going on up there. So it's high crimes on two levels, which I really like. And I thought that was a great thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the story came to be and then how the comic came? Yeah, I can handle the story part. Uh, I've kind of been uh, obsessed with Mount Everest for the last, I don't know, seven years or so. Just as a... It, there's something eminently fascinating about uh, the people who climb this giant mountain, uh, and it is, you know, everything about it screams, like, don't try to climb me. Uh, <laughs> uh, going so far as, like, you know, once you get to Camp 4, uh, which is the step right before the summit, that area is officially known as the death zone, because as soon as you are in it, your body starts dying because it's too cold and there's not enough oxygen. And people are spending, like, you know, $50,000 to go on expeditions to, you know, be escorted up the side of Everest. People who have no business climbing something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was all that. And then, you know, a fascination I have with crime stories. And that's sort of the way I found into the book was, I say this a lot, but, like, there's a part of the climbing route called the Kumbu Icefall, uh, which is actually where that avalanche just happened mm-hmm. But it's the deadliest part of the climb, and then, of course, my brain immediately went to, well, what happens if somebody gets into a gunfight mm. in the icefall? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, then it was, you know, just trying to reverse engineer that and figure out, like, what's the best story to tell. And then it became, you know, more about the characters than it did. And once that happened, then, uh, like, I was totally locked in, and then... And then I pitched it to a publisher who turned it down for a couple different reasons, and then I was sitting on it, and then Chris and Allison asked me to pitch to Monkey Brain and said, you know, pitch us the book that you want to do the most. High Crimes was it. Mm -hmm. So I pitched it, and then uh, like a week later, well, no, maybe like just under a month later, uh, I met Ibrahim, Mm -hmm. and he can talk about how the comic itself came together. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get to that, I just want this book always reminds me of that terrible beer commercial that has a guy going up, climbing up a mountain, and they get there, and there's a there's a a, a bar in the middle of this glacier, uh-huh. and I'm always going. I, I I look at it and I go like, you know, that book is so much more realistic than this commercial. I, I don't get this. That was so makes that was the threshold we were trying to break through. Is how can we make this book? Slightly more realistic than that beer commercial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Ibrahim, why don't you talk about uh, your involvement in the book? Yeah, um, so I had been uh, sharing a studio uh, with a bunch of local Portland people, uh, one of which was Joe Keating, and he knows just about everybody. And I I told him that I wanted to do something creator-owned as I was kind of wrapping up a project I was working on and asked if he knew anyone uh, who would be, you know, looking for an artist, and, and he asked what kind of stuff I was into, and I told him that I'd really like to do a crime book. So he said he'd keep his ear to the ground, and then about two weeks later, uh, he brought Chris by the studio, and uh, it was like, you guys should talk. And Chris told me the idea that he had, and I I don't know if Chris, did you, I don't know if he thought I was, like, just kind of blowing smoke, but I was, like, all about it right from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, no, you were, but, like, I had had other people, like, I had talked to artists before who were like, 
that's a great idea. And then like once they got down to, all right, well, do you want to start working on it? They're like, no, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to draw it. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the way comics works is like, you know, if anybody, if any artist expresses an interest in what you're showing them, like, uh, especially where I was in my career at that point, like I was like, all right. Like, uh, I, I was just severely optimistic that you would actually like join up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, cause in retrospect, thinking about it, I'm sure it probably looked like I was like, yeah, totally man. And then, you know, walked out, whatever. But, uh, no, I was, I was into it from word one and, uh, he sent me, uh, the sort of like a, a detailed beat sheet of, of the entire series and then some character descriptions. And I started working on those on the side, uh, as I was finishing up my other project. And, uh, yeah, man, we just kind of hit the ground running. Well, I guess as quickly as we were able to being, you know, two guys doing an indie book, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So then it was on from there. Now, my understanding is there are six issues so far out. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and if you go to monkeybraincomics.com, you can find them there. And of course that, I don't know how it works now. The comiXology has changed. I don't know if it's going to ship you over to comiXology or what, how that's going to work. But anyway, you probably start there and the comiXology will, will somewhere enter into the, the picture, I imagine. But, yeah, I think uh, the easiest way is probably to go to comiXology and then just in the search field type in high crimes. Okay. Because uh, that'll get you right to the storefront where you can uh, you can actually read the first issue for free right now. Ooh. So anyone who hasn't picked it up is you know able to get the first taste for zero dollars. Wow, coolness! Because it's only ninety nine cents an issue, you know, which is you know hardly a, a huge expense, and it, it's great that you get to sample it and find out if you like it and be able to keep going with it. So, pretty cool. Now, one of the things about this book that I find so interesting is the attention you're getting, and it's not a superhero comic, right? Chris, what's your reaction to that? Because you guys, it sounded like you didn't intend to do superheroes at all. You really did intend to do a real-life crime drama. Yeah, I mean, I'm not adverse to superheroes at all. You know, I grew up reading them, and I still read them. For some reason, it just felt like uh, this was... It was a book I had been thinking about for such a long time. And, I don't know, my taste, as far as, like, what I like to write, like, crime stuff just feels more natural to me. Like, I'm still sort of... Even though I've, I've written some superhero books by now, like, it's still, I don't know. Uh, it feels more like a stretch to me, whereas, like, crime and, and what the book became, which was actually, like, a character study of <laughs> our characters, like, and that's, the, you know, I, that's sort of my in on anything. It's like my fascination with how people work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Ibrahim, did that appeal to you as well? I, I, you know, because most of the work in comics is com is uh, superheroes, and so doing something that's a little different, you know, you, you're taking a chance, kind of. Yeah, you know, I I've always kind of uh, veered towards the more realistic stuff, anyway, just in terms of tone and context, I guess. Like, for example, I'm a big fan of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies because I like how grounded they were. Um, so that's kind of always what I've had an eye for. And this was really great because not only was it a crime story, which is my favorite genre typically in fiction, but also it had a really nice high concept that was, you know, it wasn't just like your average run of the mill type of crime story. Like it had a really unique setting and premise. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's what drew me to it. Mm -hmm. Now I have to say, of course, I'm a big Batman fan myself. 
And I, those Nolan movies are, are going to be, you know, it's going to be hard for somebody to top those in my mind because they're just so terrific. Yeah. But, you know, the, the mountain setting is, is one thing that kind of fascinates me, too. I mean, you know, because very few mountains ever appear in comics. I mean, if you go there, there's like a... There's like a, a hidden city in there someplace or something. You don't actually deal with the mountain very much. And so to actually deal with the mountain and, to, and get an idea as to what people are dealing with, did you have do much research in it? I mean, you know, Chris, you from the story perspective and Ibrahim from the art, did you go, how much research did you have to do in order to be able to get it as realistically as possible? Oh, I mean, we're still doing, you know, we do tons of research for every issue. I feel like, you know, I've, I've read enough Everest stuff that I feel like I understand it in my head, but I also, like, there's no substitute for actually being there. But with the internet the way it is these days, you can, like, I've, we both found, like, you know, GoPro footage of people, like, actually climbing uh, Mount Everest. So, like, so you can actually see what it looks like. You know, that stuff is invaluable, like, because we're... We want to be realistic. We don't want to be, um, like, slaves to realism where, like, suddenly, you know, where it turns into, like, uh, Star Wars Episode One, where it's all about, like, we're going to explain all the politics and we're going to explain, like, the minutia of how everything works. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, it's a way of trying to touch on all that stuff, but ultimately, like, all the research, you know, just helps to sort of build this backdrop, uh, this realistic backdrop, and then... You know, all the sort of crazy stuff that we have going on uh, feels a lot more grounded now. Mm -hmm. Well, it, I feel like I'm learning a lot reading the book, especially about this. Now, Ibrahim, as far as like the, the look of the mountain and stuff like that, did you, did you do the same thing, kind of like look through the Internet and find pictures of what, the, of what this setting would look like and then kind of tailor it to the story? Oh, yeah. Google image search has been my best friend throughout this whole thing, for sure. <laughs> um, not that you're, uh, you know, a second fiddle, Chris, but Google image search definitely has gotten me through a lot of, like, tough spots. There's a lot to take into consideration geographically with this. Um, for example, like, from what side of the mountain do you approach X, Y, or Z? Like, but as Chris said, we want to maintain as much accuracy as possible, especially because there's always going to be that one guy who reads it and calls you out on, you know, oh, you screwed this up. So, uh, yeah, that tree isn't there right there. That tree, get that out of there. Yeah, not there. exactly. Um, so, yeah, and it's, you know, it's been pretty amazing to learn about this thing that I probably wouldn't have ever pursued on my own, which is pretty cool. Like, I now generally know, like, the route and the, you know, the steps taken to get to base camp. Uh, you know, the different little cities that you have to go through and all that stuff. So, yeah, definitely a lot of research into, you know, not only ge geography, but, like, what kind of gear would they use for this? You know, there are different kinds of sleeping bags that are made for different kind of temperatures and all that stuff. So it's been a learning experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, while I'm talking with you, Ibrahim, I'm going to start with you on this question. Regarding the characters, did you fashion the characters after people you know, or are they uh, the same kind of thing? Did you kind of look up people, or, or did Chris give you ideas what they should look like? How did you develop the, the, the characters and their appearances? That's a really good question. It's sort of a mix of all of that stuff. Chris had very well fleshed out character descriptions to the point where I mean, he he wasn't necessarily, like, super specific about, like, this color hair, this kind of whatever, but just the way he wrote about the person gave me a very clear image in my head of what they looked like. And then, you know, there there might have been a couple instances where, you know, he said, 
in the notes, like, I picture this person as a such-and-such type, you know, using, like, an actor's reference or whatever. But, uh, yeah, from from there, I just kind of went in and tried to put on paper as best I could what, you know, popped into my head when I first read the descriptions. And then, for the most part, I, I think Chris and I saw eye-to-eye on pretty much everything, except there was one character that I drew one way, and he was like, I, I actually saw more like this, and then I was like, all right. That's fine with me. So, <laughs> which which character was that? I think uh, I had done a couple different Dorjas and oh yeah, okay, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't like it was a, a difference of opinion. It was just like I, you know, drew one way, and he said I actually pictured it like this, and gave me a reference picture, and it was like, oh, of course he looks like that. So, mm-hmm. well, that's the collaborative process, is that you guys get to work on that, and I think that makes the book better because you guys do that together. Yeah, man, it's it's been an amazing experience, like very, very fulfilling creatively, and we just kind of push each other to be better and to do you know the best we can. Very cool, very cool. Now, Chris, yeah. regarding the characters, I mean, where did they come from? And, and, you know, were these people that you knew in real life, or were these people that uh, you kind of read about and or maybe came up with a, like a, an amalgamation of different people? Yeah, I, they're not really based on anybody I know. I steal a lot from my own life uh, and from my friends. So uh, I think every character is, you know, in some ways an amalgamation of a bunch of different people. But no, I mean, uh, that was, I don't know, like, as I was breaking the story, like, figuring out who these people are and sort of why I should care about them. And it's just, you know, sort of free associating. You sort of figure out, like, well, here's where this person grew up, and here's, you know, where they went to school, and here's what they believe, you know, about religion and politics. It's like building a character in Dungeons & Dragons or something like mm-hmm. Now, I have to tell you guys something, because that, 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 you're doing a good thing, because... I, have you guys ever read Mouse Guard by David Peterson? Yeah. Okay, what what happened, I went, the first interview I ever did was with him at a Baltimore Comic Con, and I asked him, I said, you know, these characters are interesting, what, what are they based on? Are they like uh, Knights of the Round Table? Who are these people? And he turned to me and he kind of he said, well, they're me and my friends. Right. <laughs> Which I thought it was interesting, because here I am, I have this lofty idea of what the characters are all, where they came from. And here it was just, he, he wrote what he, he what he knew, and he knew his friends, and so he could put those personalities into the different characters. I just found that fascinating. So you're doing things that have been successful in the past, so that's kind of good. Good like that. Now, let's go on to where we're going as far as the future goes. We've gotten six issues so far. Do you guys have plans to put this out in a trade or any kind of a print volume? Ibrahim, you want to talk about that? Sure, yeah. Um, it, it, uh, so it's going to be 12 issues long, um, okay. and uh, we do have a, a deal in place to put out a hardcover. Um Ooh. And it's it's actually been in place for quite some time, so we're just waiting to announce it until we get a little bit closer. To, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that should be coming fairly soon, though. I, do, I believe. Okay, awesome. so everybody should everybody should keep their uh, their eyes uh, attentive for that announcement. So that'll be good. So you got twelve issues to go, and if I know from talking to you guys, I bet you guys have another story to, to follow up this one with. Is is that the case? Uh, yeah, actually, we're uh, actually before we started the podcast, I was transcribing uh, notes for the next uh, creator-owned book that we want to do. So we're just trying to get that in shape so we can have it a company ready to go with it. And so as soon as High Crimes is done, we can jump onto this new book. 
Uh, cool. It's not a superhero book, is it? No. no. Okay, good. <laughs> we got enough of those. We, we need some other real-life stories, so I like that a lot. <laughs> so that's good stuff. Why don't we talk about, cause, uh, and we'll start with you, Chris, is, you know, th- this isn't your first work in the comics industry. Uh-huh. What else have you done? Because I'd like for people to know that they want to check out some of your previous stuff. Well, my first book was out through Image. Uh, it was called Screamland, Death of the Party, mm. which I co-wrote with Harold Sype, who created the series. And that is a, it's sort of a horror comedy book. And the premise is, you know, it, what if all the old uh, 1930s or movie monsters were actually monsters who moved to Hollywood, <laughs> became big film stars, and now it's the modern day, and they've been replaced by CGI and movies like Twilight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's a detective story at a uh, convention, actually. And, yeah, it's kind of dirty and uh, um, very, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird book, uh, and I would not recommend anybody start their writing career with a book like that. Because it, <laughs> it's, it's a very weird book to put forward. Mm-hmm. But, you see, I'm into variety. See, I like to read stories I haven't read before. Oh, and I like to write them, yeah. So yeah. I don't regret doing it. Like, But it's also, like, uh, it's a strange book to hand to an editor and be like, hey, you should give me a shot on something. Like, here's an example of what I can do, and it's full of, you know, coke orgies. And uh, <laughs> uh, just, it's, I, I don't regret it at all, but it, it's also, it's a, it's a weird uh, so so that that was the first work you actually did, and that, that's how it happened. You turned in this, you, you gave the script to Image and asked them to to print it. Is that how that went? Well, because Harold had done the first uh, Screamland series at Image back in 2008, and then Harold and I started talking about pitching together on stuff, and I had had an idea that we had talked about maybe doing as a second Screamland. So he had already had uh, a relationship with Image, and uh, we sort of showed we got an artist, uh, Lee Leslie from Kansas City. We had, you know, the first five pages and sent them to Eric, and we're like, hey, we wanted to do this. And then he was like, okay, you can do this. (laughs) So it was very weird. That was also that same week uh, I sold my first book ever, which still hasn't come out. Um, What's that? It's this big, giant sci-fi epic that, uh, I don't know, I, it's a, it's a down-the-road thing. It's, it's almost prohibitively uh, huge. So trying to find somebody who wants to devote two years of their life to drawing oh. is... Uh, so it hasn't been turned into artwork yet, is what you're saying? No, no. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we better keep quiet on that one then, because I mean, anything like that, I don't want to spoil anything, that because I want you guys to get to do everything that you want to do, because I, I want to be able to buy it and sure. read it and enjoy it. So, uh, so that's, well, yeah. Anything else that you're that you want to talk a little bit about your future projects as well as high crimes? Are there other things that you're you're working on? Yeah, I have a new creator own book out from Boom called Dead Letters. Uh, oh, number four just came out. Is that the one? No, uh, number two oh. is just about to come. Number out two, okay. Next week. Uh, okay. So I've got that, um, and I'm currently co-writing Ghost from Dark Horse oh. with Kelly Sue DeConnick, and I'm going to take the book over as of issue five. Oh wow! So yeah, and then I have uh, several other things going on, but uh, um, I'm not in conversational terms yet, as far as yeah, I'm some of them are, are still very much in progress. 
Yeah, because Ghost is a. I, I'm always happy to see a female lead character, because that's one thing in the comics you you so rarely see are women as the the, the, the story center, and I, I just like to see that. So I'm real happy you're doing that. I kind of like that character. I always have. She's drawn very well too. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I definitely you know I think things are getting. I mean, by no means are things good, but things are getting better as far as you know more representation for people other than white dudes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, especially in today's climate. That's a good thing. Yes. Now, Ibrahim, now, what did you do before High Crimes? Now, are you like a commercial artist? Is that what you do as well? No, uh, I dabble in graphic design a little bit, but before High Crimes, uh, I did a book called The Pound through IDW. I did the second arc of the series, uh, and it was about two municipal animal control workers who sort of stumble upon this underground world of monsters that nobody knows about mm-hmm. um and uh yeah so kind of also kind of in the horror comedy vein i guess mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it was a four issue mini and that was really i mean aside from like a bunch of sample pages and uh, like a little one-off thing i wrote and drew myself uh that was kind of my first foray into comics so high crimes is i guess my sophomore attempt okay <laughs> are there other projects that, like Christian, did you have that you can't really talk about at this point that are they're still the, to to come to fruition? No, you know, Chris and I have another thing in the works. We're trying to put together to pitch. Aside from that, High Crimes is my one and only. <laughs> okay, so not much coming, not much else that's coming up for you in the next couple months. Then no, you know, the the nature of the art side of things is that you're you're pretty much married to the book you're doing until it's done so well that's a good thing because i i always tell the story about frank miller's dark knight returns and you know the first two issues came out within six months of each other the next issue came out six months later and the next issue came out a year after that so i was to the point where i thought i'm never going to read the end of this story yeah. uh, so it's much better to get it out on a good on a, on a good track now there is a question I've got for both of you guys because I just the today's news there's a and you can tell when we're, if people follow the news they'll know what day we're recording this there has come out a whole bunch of of comic related properties that are going to be turned into television series right uh, letter 44 from Oni Press and Charles Soule uh, a couple of others one I think one or two are DCs and then there's another one so I'm you know when I read this book this book you know and it often happens to me when I read a book but this book screams TV show to me. Any chance, or is anybody kind of poked around at it and given you guys any indication that they might be interested in turning this into a like a TV movie or a, a, a miniseries? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked to people. There's nothing solid, uh, but that would be great for us financially. I think Hollywood is, uh, it, it's definitely, you know, I mean, we're both huge fans of movies, and but, you know, you also realize that, like, we're doing what we're doing, and whatever they're going to end up doing is not going to be the same. No. Um, no. <laughs> so, I mean, for myself, like, you know, yeah, that would be awesome if something happened. But, like, right now, I'm just, uh, the best part of any of that happening would be that we both get money to continue making comics so yeah, fingers crossed for Clint. Though one thing too, I I, I want to ask you guys about digital comics, 
because you know you guys are kind of pioneers as far as these things go. There's, we're getting more and more people into it, but you guys, you know, got in back on issue one, and there weren't nearly as many people into digital comics as you guys were. Probably this, you know, has to do with Ibrahim more than, than than you, Chris. But as far as like fitting the digital format, did you have to do things differently than you expected? You know, not really. Initially, we had talked about, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we we took advantage of some of like the page swiping things you can do with digital. Uh, you know the way you might have a panel with uh, a character in the you know in the frame, and then you swipe, and another character appears in the foreground of that same yeah. panel, that sort of thing. There's a lot more work that goes into setting things up that way. So because of time constraints and whatnot, we decided to just kind of pop forward with it as traditionally as possible. The way that the, the folks at Comicsology break down the panel views is really great. And so I think it's been a pretty smooth reading experience, regardless of how we put it together, which is awesome. You know, there was one thing we did uh, in issue five where we went landscape uh, with the page formatting for, I think, like five pages of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a big action scene. It was actually that that shootout in the ice fall that Chris mentioned earlier, which was sort of like the impetus of the book. So we wanted it to have like a nice kind of widescreen scope to it. And rather than doing a bunch of double page spreads, which anyone who reads digital comics knows don't work super well, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of said, well, what if we turn the page on its side and do you know a landscape view? So I think I think that was a cool thing, you know, with respect to digital comics and how they're read because it allowed for kind of that more scope format mm-hmm. without compromising the the amount of the page that you get to see. Nobody had to zoom in or anything like that, you know, the way right. you do with like a double page spread. So Right, right. That's cool. So are you guys open to more digital comics as you go forward? Uh yeah. I, I think it's still early and I think people are still trying to figure out there there are definitely, you know, people who just have no interest in reading anything digitally. And then there are people who are have completely made the switch and read everything digitally. So um, I think it's still early. I definitely think I, I really like the sort of immediacy of it that, mm-hmm. you know, we can finish an issue and send it to monkey brain. And then four weeks later it's up and we don't have to worry about pre-order numbers or doing due diligence as far as promotion goes. Like it, it sort of allows us to work at our own pace, uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. Well, it's great because I, I, you know, I enjoyed the book, and I'll, I'll give my two cents at this point. High Crimes is one of those great high adventure type books I crave a lot of the times because, as we said before, superheroes dominate the industry, and so for me to find a really good story, a, a, a crime story too, in an interesting setting that keeps my attention, I just was so thrilled when I came across High Crimes, and I'm glad you guys are getting some recognition for it because it's a great book. And if anybody who's listening to this and has not given it a chance, I highly encourage you to give it a go and give it a read because you, you still have some time left and get those first six issues and be ready when the next come out. Now, speaking of which, do you guys know when the next issue is coming out? Roughly, I want to say four or five weeks, maybe. Um, okay. We're putting the fin- I'm actually uh, doing some uh, color correction stuff on the last few pages right now as we speak. So, yeah, should be relatively soon. And we're uh, perpetually trying to get on a better schedule, so... <laughs> no, no Ronin type uh, release dates. No, as best as we can. Well, it's a great book. I really encourage anybody to give it a go because it's something different. 
it's not your general superhero stuff. And so I just want to let people know, if you're like me and you enjoy a good story and you don't necessarily have to be wearing long johns in it to be able to be a good story, then this is a book you should really give it a go and give it a check out because it's a great story. And I'm dying to know the end. I, I'm not asking, notice I'm not asking any spoilers. <laughs> I want to know when the end comes exactly how we got there because then I can reread the whole thing and say, okay, that's when they did that. <laughs> So, great stuff. You guys are doing a great job, and I wish you much success going forward with it. Thank you very much, Wayne. And I hope you win. That's the thing I really want you to do, is to win the, the, that Eisner Awards, that, those things. So, good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, man. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol... Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. Welcome back to the podcast, J.K. Woodward, one of my favorite artists in comics today, and who's done many wonderful things, including Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who Assimilation Squared, which is still one of my favorites, and a story in Star Trek Alien Spotlight. And interestingly enough, I didn't know, J.K., that you actually drew several of the CSI New York books. Yeah, I did. Uh, in fact, one of my first paying gigs was um, a CSI New York miniseries, uh, oh. where I sort of cut my teeth on that. And went right into Fallen Angel after that. Okay, that's good. So, man, that got you off to a good start, it sounds like. I did see yeah. one book that I don't know much about, and I thought I'd ask you about it. was Belladonna, an IDW graphic novel that came out in 2010. What's, what's that about? I don't know much about that. Well, that was, um, it, it was a single-issue story, basically. It was a self-enclosed story. Actually, I shouldn't say single-issue because it was a, a single graphic novel. I think it was like 100 pages or so. Um, and it was just somebody's original property about this assassin that you find out her mind's been wiped, uh, and she's basically looking for her past. And it was just kind of her journey. And it was based on nothing, which is, you know, you get okay. used to IDW being uh, based on some kind of a property or something, but it was an original, uh, it was an original concept. So it was your concept? No, it wasn't mine. It was the writer's, and I'm, I'm struggling to remember his name, because th this was back in 2010, I think, I did it. Mm -hmm. I think it was Ben something. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, I could look that up. <laughs> but I was just kind of curious because that was one thing I just didn't know anything about, so I thought I would ask about that. Yeah, yeah, that was just uh, that was just that was an oddball. It was uh, between um, two Fallen Angel miniseries I was working on, um, and I just took a crack at something new, and it was a lot of fun. It was something very different for me. It was uh, sort of a uh, Electra Assassin meets Wolverine. <laughs> oh sense. wow! Yeah. Okay. Cool. So why don't we go ahead and get to talking about the new project you've got coming up, which we want to make sure people get ordered. What, do you want to tell people what it is? Sure, sure. It's called. Uh, it's a Star Trek mini miniseries. It's going to be five issues long, and it's called City on the Edge of Forever. 
And uh, that'll probably sound pretty familiar to some Star Trek fans because it's based on an original episode from season one called City on the Edge of Forever. <laughs> yeah. uh, the original script was written by Harlan Ellison, and what you saw on TV was very different from his initial vision. And we're going to do word for word, picture for picture, image for image, exactly his initial image. And that's what this miniseries is all about. Well, that's cool. So how did this project come to be? I mean, obviously you've done some Star Trek in the past, so it was natural fit for you to go and do this. Did Harlan Ellison approach IDW, or did IDW get to him? How did this happen? Uh, Harlan had been working with IDW on uh, some original concepts. He had some miniseries. And I think editor Chris Rael had always wanted to do this, wanted to tell the original story, because at some point Harlan had published the original screenplay, uh, which he had read. And I guess, I think after some time, Chris Ryle made this happen and then contacted me afterwards and um, put the team together, which was the Assimilation Squared team. The Tifton brothers are doing the script, well, they're, they're converting it for comics, um, and I'm doing the art. And we're actually working pretty closely with Harlan, too, which is nice. Yeah. Oh, that's good. How many issues will it be? We're going to do the five-issue miniseries. Oh, um, yeah, and it's going to have every detail of the original script, so there's going to be nothing edited, which will be fun. And actually, you know, it's weird because we're talking about one episode being five issues, but the original screenplay actually had a lot more in it than one episode, which is part okay. of the reason it got edited down. So there's okay. going to be some things in here that, you know, it's just going to be completely different from the original episode. There's going to be, for instance, the Guardians themselves are going to be actual characters as opposed to the episode where it was sort of a gate thing with a disembodied voice. Um, there's going to be scenes, long scenes that were cut out with uh, new characters introduced, uh, new crew members you've never met from Star Trek. There's going to be so much to this. Oh, okay. Now that you're talking about it, I remember a little bit about the script. I never actually read it, but things happened on the Enterprise that Mr. Roddenberry didn't care for, and that's why he rewrote it and changed it. So, okay, that was... Now, the interesting thing to me, my knowledge of this, is that both uh, Ellison's script and Roddenberry's rewrite of it won awards. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I, so either way it goes, it's gonna it, it, it's gonna warrant attention. So it will be interesting because you know there's a book out now called The Star Wars, which was supposedly the original George Lucas uh, treatment for Star Wars. It's funny because when that when Dark Horse put that out originally, I, I, yeah, I thought to myself, oh my god, that's just like what we're doing with uh, with Harlan's <laughs> script. <laughs> and it's it's uh, yeah, it's the unseen Star Wars. I know exactly what you're talking about. The original yeah. idea. Um, yeah, it's it's funny how things develop in television and movies, whereas comics, you pretty much whatever your thought is, and it just kind of happens. There are no, there's no cutting room floor with with movies and television. There's a uh, there's a lot of scripts behind the scripts, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that's exactly what we're doing with the uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, so that's so fascinating to me. I'm going to be interested to read what the original script was because I've never seen it before, and I'm kind of curious as to what uh, Harlan had in mind for that. Well, fascinating. visually, there's a lot more to it, and being a painter, I, the budget is set, so I can pretty much do anything I want. You know, with the with the okay. you know, whereas whereas with a television show, there's special effects, um, financial considerations uh, mm-hmm. that you don't have with a painted comic. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of fun for me because I can do Star Trek, but when they beam down to the planet, I can do these great sweeping helicopter shots, you know, like from Lord of the Rings type stuff <laughs> that they could never oh, afford to do in the show. Uh, cool. And we can introduce special effects that they could have never done back in their time. So it's, it's going to be 
it's, it's going to be an interesting way to see it. You know, we, every, every time you're on the bridge of the Enterprise or, or any of the, um, the, the sets you know from the show, it's going to feel very much like the show. But any chance I get to do something a little more that they could have never done back then, um, mm-hmm. that's also fun. Well, that's a good thing because, you know, those they, they've actually remastered a lot of those original episodes. So they've, they've put in a lot of better effects than there were in those days. And some people like the new ones and some people don't. But I, I would love to see a little more star-spanning kind of uh, backgrounds and stuff like that in this to get a, a better feel for it. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly how I feel about it. And um, as, as, as far as like the remastered stuff, all they really change is um, you know the way things look from orbit. <laughs> you know, okay. Um, maybe throw in a city in the background and stuff like that. And that's pretty much all I'm doing. Um, you know, when, when we get. Like I said, when we're on the Enterprise, and we're, we, it's going to feel like a Star Trek episode. And once we get down on the planet, I do some fun stuff. Um, oh. And then once we go back in time, all bets are off. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah. it is a time travel story for those that don't know. Well, one of the things that encourages me is that I, I always enjoy your likenesses of real people. And you know, when you did Star Trek Next Generation and Doctor Who, that was just you know I was just intrigued about. And I have to tell you a real quick story. I saw a one of your uh, drawings, one of your paintings that had had Riker. It looks like Tom Riker because he's wearing a yellow outfit, <laughs> and he's playing the trombone. And there's this other guy. It looks like it's Jordy, but he looks sort of like um, oh darn, what's his name? But the glasses, the, the the shades that he always wore all the time. <laughs> one of my friends actually dressed up like Jordy like that, like several years ago, and did a play. And he did. He actually played one of the songs that uh, I'm just going to shoot myself. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> no, 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 no. Black, a black gentleman. Uh, very well known. I'll, I'll just shoot myself when I know later. But it's just uh, that he did that and he played the, the, the keyboard on it. Uh, Baby, what I want was the song that he sang. And I, uh, I, oh, well, I'll figure it out later. But, the, uh, but that was such a cool drawing. I'm going to actually print out a copy of it so I can show him because he's uh, cool. he got a lot of attention. Do you want to hear that. the story behind that drawing, though? That, sure. that character is actually Captain Marcus Bertrand, the Geordie character, is uh-huh. actually Captain Marcus Bertrand, and he was a character in Assimilation Square that turned into the conduit. He was assimilated by the Borg. And that picture was a flashback, and the reason um, Riker is wearing the gold at the time is because it was uh, back in the past, before he got his rank. Okay. And that was like a, a, you know, a picture from Riker's past. Very cool, because i got to show that, that something. <laughs> We'll get a kick out of and that. the character Captain Marcus is actually um, modeled after a friend of mine who will not shut up about it since the book came out. <laughs> His name's Daryl Taylor. He works with me. We we do a podcast together actually called the uh, Happy Hour. And if you listen to it, we do something called the Captain Marcus Log, and it's based on this character who's really not that important, but to him it is because it looks like him. <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. So, well, that's really cool because I like that kind of thing. But uh, are there any other projects you're working on right now uh, as far as I, – I like the podcast too, by the way. As of one podcaster to another, I really enjoy uh, what you're doing. Oh, out thank there. you. So, thank you. Very neat. So uh, are there other projects you're working on or is this one going to keep you busy for a while? Well, while I'm doing this, I, uh, I can no longer work on anything else. I was trying to uh, do some other – I am working simultaneously on other projects, but – I have to back burner it for this because it really takes a lot out of you. But I, I will be um, finishing up a book called, it's an original graphic novel called 49th Key. And that's scheduled to be finished um, at the end of August. So I think it's coming out, it'll probably be in previews around September. So look for that. It's going to be published by Arkea. You know, they do those beautiful hardcovers, so I can't wait to see it when it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also working with Tony Lee on a, a horror crime story, which is something I've always wanted to do. Um, oh. And it's called Amerita, and that's going to be about... Uh, probably four months after 49th Key. I'm doing a lot of original properties in between this Star Trek project and the next one. 
So okay, okay. Um, those should all be out uh, autumn or uh, winter. Oh, cool. Now, people can stop yelling at the at the, the podcast because it's Ray Charles is the one I was trying to remember. Ray Charles. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he dressed up like Ray Charles with the you – know, You said glasses. Sunglasses. I went right to – yeah, I went right to Stevie yeah, Wonder, yeah, but no, yeah, Ray no, Charles, no. of course. Yeah, Ray <laughs> Charles did that. And he I, I just got a kick out. So now, now people can stop yelling. <laughs> that's who that is. <laughs> but uh, I, that, that's pretty good. Now, we're right on the cusp of being able to order this book. And yes. What do people need to do in order to make sure they get the comic? Well, if you know, if if you get your comics from um, you know DCBS or something, then you know you can place the order now. It comes out in stores in June, so if you if you buy at a retailer, go ask your retailer for it. Make sure he's ordering it today. I imagine a lot of retailers will be ordering this, but don't take it for granted because some retailers don't order Star Trek unless you ask. Right. So it isn't this month's previews. So just check with your retailer. <laughs> and this will be out June twenty fifth. I think is the date. Oh, the cool. first issue comes out. It'll be monthly or bi-monthly? It's going to be monthly. Oh, good. Okay, I got cool. some lead time. I'm, I'm already finishing up issue two now as we speak. Oh, cool. So I'm, okay. I'm uh, far ahead on this. Painted comics do take a while, but yeah. Chris Ryle was uh, very good about giving me uh, a big lead time. So we actually started <laughs> this about four months ago. <laughs> now, what's the exact title of the comic, just to make sure people get it right? It's called Star Trek. It's a, it's a mouthful, so get ready for this. Star Trek, City on the Edge of Forever, the original screenplay, I believe, is it. Okay, okay. Cause I, I, I kind of figured there had to be... I think it is, because it's not... Yeah, if you don't put that in there, people will think you're just retelling the old episode. So yep. that's a good idea to let people know this is something new that they haven't seen before. Yep. Very cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's going to be great fun to look at and to get some more of your stuff. And it was nice to meet you at Awesome Con, too, in D.C. read this year. What did you think of the con before I let you go? Oh, it was great. How was it, it? it? Well, I couldn't believe how well I did. <laughs> not, oh. to be, not to be crass about it, but I mean, I, I sold a lot of uh, prints and original art, and I wasn't expecting it to be so huge. Yeah, people told me, like, last year it was just outside of the actual convention hall they used this year, and it was much smaller. Um, this felt like, I mean, it felt like Chicago. It felt like New York. It was, it was wow. just on a big floor and there were crowds of people and I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I talked to it. Joe Washington Harris. has a big con now. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't wait for that next year. Now, Joe Harris, I talked to who writes the X-Files comics sure. and he was there. It was like, I got, I didn't get there until later on Saturday afternoon. And when I talked with him about four o'clock, he said he wished he could have brought more stuff because he was already almost out of everything he yes. wanted to sell. Yes, yes. I sold out on half of my friends the first day. I couldn't wow. believe it. Yeah, wow. I think a lot, of, a lot of us underestimated how big this con was going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm definitely going back next year. Oh, this great. Was great. Glad, this is great. I'll have, I'll have to stop by and get something from you is what yeah. I'll have to do this time. Well, it's good talking with you, JK, as always. And uh, I hope that you, you, know, you keep doing the great stuff because I'm enjoying it so much. And I can't wait for this new Star Trek book to come. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when I'll have more interviews and other good things. But until then, keep reading your comics.